So uh, we've been talking about some pretty crazy things the last two weeks. Who's been following along? We've been looking at the ghosts of Christmas past. Yeah, we've looked at some pretty awesome things. Um, remind you tonight, don't forget that we've got our Christmas party tonight, which we've got to come and just share peace with one another of the Christmas season. And um, Jamie, can you give that to says for me, please? Um, <clears throat> all those sorts of things. But we've been looking at, really, really simply, the ghosts of Christmas past, and we've looked at, uh, over, what was it, overcoming offences was our first week. Pastor Rodney shared that, and I've heard people have listened to that online, and it's really helped them in this season. It's really been a powerful, powerful message of overcoming the offences and moving past. And even today, there are people here today that uh, have heard that message in the last couple of weeks, and they know they're fighting. It's almost like they're fighting their own pride, and they just need to let that go and uh, actually just forgive the person that's offended you. And the last week we looked at, uh, uh, looking at the whole point of shame and, and overcoming the shame in our life and putting that behind us because uh, shame's that real uh, distorting factor in our life. And, and, um, and this week people listen to that as well. But this week we've got a really, really good one. And if you just want to throw that up, says that'll be awesome. Uh, as I said last week, we're going to look at overcoming offenses. And um, I think we're just about... Nice. So this week, uh, like I said, we're going to look at this area of uh, <clears throat> where God can internally heal us and, uh, and he can fix our identity. It's this area where we're going to talk about overcoming the labels that bind. People have had things spoken over their lives. You are speaking things over your life. You're thinking things over your life that are untrue. And when we look at overcoming these labels and breaking them in the power of Jesus Christ, uh, we're going to move from wrong belief into the true belief of who we are. It's that renewal of our mind that we're looking for. How many of you know that the words can be very, very powerful? Yeah? Words have the power to create. Okay? Words have the power to heal. Words have the power in the positive to shape who you are, who you're meant to be, where you're going. Your purpose in life. Words have the power to motivate you to become the better and not the former. Words, on the other hand, though, can be seen as quite negative. There could be negative labels in your life. These words are powerful to keep you oppressed. These words are powerful to keep you down. And those words can be words that are powerful to hurt you. Those words are powerfully set against you to wound you. They're powerfully in your life and they are a discouragement. To you, yeah? Who knows what I'm talking about? Who's been discouraged before? Yeah? Oh, come on, you're all lying because no one's got their hand up. I'm sure we've all been discouraged and we felt the pain of the discouraged words that have been said of us. But these words are also set against us to destroy us. You see, that's part of what the enemy's role is. It's what he sees his role as, is to steal, kill and utterly destroy you. These words, these labels have the power to bind. I remember growing up and singing the old song, sticks and stones may break my, you can join anytime you want, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, how 
wrong was that? As a little eight-year-old boy, I thought, how cool is this? And I still let that bully get over top of me, you know, because words are always going to hurt you. I'd rather be punched in the face by a bully than told I was no good and that I was fat and I was lazy and I was just going to amount to a loser. I'd rather be punched in the face. It was over and done with after a couple of days. But then to carry those sorts of labels in your life, they can cause a lifetime of hurt, can't they? Yeah? Words hurt sticks and stones. They do hurt. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death. You see, Solomon knew exactly the power of the tongue. And he was writing that of which he observed of the power of the tongue. And we see here even today, the power that you have to either create or the power that you have to either destroy by the words that you use. Words are so powerful. And they don't even need to be spoken because you can self-destroy with your self-talk. Can't you? And I was talking about that in my shame walk last week, about how my shame crushed me if you remember from last week. Words can build or words can destroy. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Just watch this. Might need that sound back, man. Might go back, eh? I'll start that again. Ready? Go for it. Sticks and stones can break our bones, but words can never hurt me. Wrong. See, there is a story of a major league baseball player who's speaking to inmates in prison. One of the inmates asks him, how did you become a professional ball player, sir? To which he says, you know, I think it started when I was a boy. I would play catch with my dad and he would always say, you, you, you keep throwing the ball like that, son, and you'll end up in the major leagues one day. You keep swinging a bat like that, son, and you'll end up in the major leagues one day. And here I am, a professional ball player. The room became quiet. And the inmate who asked the question, he said, you know, the same thing happened to me. When I was a boy, my father told me that I was good for nothing. And that one day, I would end up in prison. And here... I am. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me wrong. See, words can cut deeper and fester longer than any sword known to man. I still haven't forgotten what they told me as a kid, the, the, the teasing, the insecurities that it created. Have you? Consider the story of a little girl. She's in the grocery store with her mother and she drops a, a bottle of milk onto the floor, breaking it. The mother says, you stupid child, why did you do that? Consider the story of another little girl who's in the grocery store with her mother. She drops a bottle of milk onto the ground, breaking it. And this mother says, that was a very stupid thing you did. Which child do you think will grow up to have a healthier self-image and more self-confidence? The one who was, who was called stupid or the one whose action was called stupid? See, it is important to be mindful of the words that we use to our, our friends, our families, our loved ones, and strangers. Because sticks and stones can break our bones, but words can break our hearts. 
And if we're not careful, it can shatter our dreams. Amen. Words have such a powerful shaping force in our lives. Wrongly owned labels, they cause us to struggle. And uh, sadly, many struggle in the present because of labels picked up in the past. You might write that down. Many struggle in the present because of labels that they've picked up in the past. The reality is, and let's call it what it is, that there are many of us, many of you who, uh, even like me, in different areas of my life, that we actually struggle in the present because of labels that we have picked up in the past. We struggle in this moment because of labels that we've wrongly owned from things that happened to us. One, for the first one, maybe someone said something about you at one time, who called you something, uh, belittled you, and made you feel less than, and you've internalized that label and it's affected you on the outside. You've become that which they have belittled you to be. The second thing is that maybe you did something even years and years ago and you can't seem to get rid of the guilt. You can't seem to get rid of that shame, that guilt, and you can't seem to get it go away. And internally you own that action and you connect that identity with something that you did. You see? And the words that came in, like I said last week, that I am useless, they form those thoughts. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Thirdly, maybe you heard something about you on the outside and you started to internalize it on the inside. Maybe someone was giving you some corrective feedback, some constructive feedback, that sense of, you know, if you just changed your diet a little bit, if you just said, I don't want to eat and reach for that chocolate, if you went and reached for the apple, you know, maybe that would help start and turn your life around. And you've taken that and you said, they called me fat. They've called me fat. And humans, we grab that and we go, well, if I'm going to be fat, I might as well be fat. And we go straight for the block of chocolate and we eat our sorrows away. Yeah, we can do that. It's honestly, isn't it? When you think about labels, you think about the things that people may have said over your life. They may have called you lazy. You know, they may have said that you're such an insecure person. You know, but when I think about insecurity, I think about what Jesus is for me. And he's my security. But you see, if I own the insecurity, I become an insecure person. They might say that you're sensitive. You know, I was a sensitive boy. My mom always said to me I was sensitive. And that I always hugged everyone because I was sensitive. I used to go up, I used to hug everyone just because I loved everyone. But it was because I was sensitive, okay? But if I, if I chose to own that in the wrong way, I could be sensitive about everything and I could push back when someone said something that hit me in the core. You know, you might have a bad relation because someone said you're never going to be a good husband or a good wife. You might have a dysfunctional family because you come from a dysfunctional family and one day someone came in and took the kids and said, this is a dysfunctional family and you owned that. You think about it, you might be average because you're better than the average bear or you're not better than the average bear. Which one is it? You might be just plain old average. I'd rather be yogi in that episode. You might be one of these people with a hot-headed temper that just flies off the handle. 
You saw that your father flew off the handle and you took that upon yourself. And dad's hot tempered, I'm hot tempered. That's the way it's going to be. You might be annoying. Who was told they were annoying? Yeah? Sorry, Jamie. I probably said it too much to you. Yeah? And uh, some of you come from a broken family and you think that you're never going to ever, ever have a whole family. You know, I heard one, um, one, la- one, one lady last week, Ali, she was up here and she was given her testimony. You know? And she said this one word, we're a blended family. But she didn't own the fact that she was a blended family. She calls Nehemiah my son. Did you hear that? Yeah? The truth is she's a blended family. The truth is that they've come together and under the, her marriage with her husband, they've come together and they're now one family. She hasn't owned the fact that they're blended. She treats Nehemiah like her own, like his blood. Yeah? That's, that's the power of words. How much more does it sound for Nehemiah to hear that we're a blended family or how much can it change his life to hear that you're my son? You're my son. And she stood up here as proud as punch talking about him starting an apprenticeship and how God had moved something in his life. And she said, my son, I'm proud of you. How cool is that? You see, labels, they either tear us down or they build us up. You know, some of these might have some truth about them though. I was pretty lazy as a kid. I really was. And then like you heard last week, I used to work hard to overcome the, the laziness. And, um, and then I heard this term one day, we did a personality study and I heard this term phlegmatic. And gee, I love that word. <laughs> I'm on point there, eh? I love that word, phlegmatic. I'm not lazy, I'm just phlegmatic. I'm laid back, I'm cruisy, I'm okay. I've got my mint peace. <laughs> yeah? It's all right. But I tell you what, you make me late somewhere and I'm not at peace. It's shocking. I don't know why. <laughs> My dad used to make me late to go and see Sarah. That's why I hate it. I hate being late because I used to be made to be late to certain particular things and it really annoyed me. So I'm phlegmatic until it's about time, all right? Give me some grace. And there might be some truth in all of that. Here is uh, what I hope you come to understand today. What's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. What's true about you now in this moment does not have to be your reality later. You're not always going to be broken, okay? You're not always going to have that label in your life. God's power is bigger than your past. You can write that one down. God's power is, and it's interesting, we sung about the powerful name of Jesus today. God's power is bigger than your past. His grace is stronger than any label that anyone would ever put upon you. What's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. If you've embraced some hurtful negative label that paralyzes you and holds you back, holds you down, tells you that you are less than, if you've embraced that type of label, today I want to encourage you to name it something different. Name it something different. And it comes from a story. This is a a Bible story now I want to enter into that really talks about someone who had the power to name something different. It comes from Genesis 35. It's an old story. And actually, if you want to know, it picks up from about Genesis 29 and you get to read the story. It's the story of Jacob. The story of Jacob, yeah? And um, Jacob is uh, he's heading to a foreign land. He's heading to find his mother's family, uh, Laban, his uncle. And he's heading there because he's, he's looking for a wife. He's looking for security. He's looking for safety. And uh, he, he, he promised that he would, he would find a wife from his own kin. And uh, so he's headed off there. 
and uh, he pulls up at the, the well and he saw Rachel and he was like, ooh. He really, really liked what he saw. You know, Rachel, she comes in, she, she does the whole step in and she's leading the sheep. She's like a shepherdess and she's bringing the sheep to the well and Jacob jumps in and he waters the sheep and he, he, he jumps in, you know, trying to be the, the chivalrous and, uh, but really he's just like, I'm pretty sure this is Laban's daughter. And, uh, you know, uh, evidently the reason he went kind of wow was because Rachel was very beautiful. Um, she also had a sister named Leah, if you know the story. Uh, interesting enough, uh, Leah was described by the Bible this way. Let me read this. It says, Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. So that's how the Bible described Rachel. And this is how the Bible described Leah. It said, her sister, you wait, ready? Had weak eyes. Rachel was beautiful and formly and curvy. And her sister Leah, well, she just had weak eyes. Rachel was gorgeous to look at and, Rachel, and Leah wore glasses. You know? or, or let me put it in today's terms. Rachel was amazing and Leah, well, she had a great personality. Yeah? You don't want to read the Bible sometimes, yeah? The Bible's got all these really interesting stories in there like this. There's a label right here. She just had weak eyes, okay? And uh, Rachel was lovely in form. And what it means in the Hebrew really is that, she's, that Leah had a great personality. Seven years, uh, Jacob goes up to Laban and he, he, he does this deal, you know, because he kind of, he's smitten on Rachel and he says, you know, what do I have to do to, to marry? Oh, no, actually, it went the other way around. Laban says, come and serve me. And he says, but don't serve me for free. What can I give you? And Jacob says, well, let me serve you for your daughter's hand in marriage. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So guys, if you want to marry Peyton, or if you've got little ones at the moment that are growing up and want to marry Peyton, you've got to serve me for seven years, all right? Before I even think about it, you've got to come and tend the sheep and maybe fill the freezer up and things like that, eh? No, just joking. But think about that. Think about that. Seven years. So he says, yes, sure, I'm going to serve you for seven years. He serves for seven years, faithfully serving this man, faithfully serving. It comes to the wedding day and they have this marriage, they have this wedding. It all goes off and then Jacob does one thing wrong. He drinks too much wine. Choice wine will do it all the time. He goes into the room that was built for him and his wife and uh, Laban does the old switcheroo. He brings he, she who has lovely or weak eyes, sorry, and brings her into the room and Jacob lies with her, therefore becoming married to Leah. The old switcheroo took place and Laban covers this up and he says, we have a custom that says that the oldest daughter shall marry first. So uh, serve out the weak, serve out um, your, your wife's weak and do the duty for her for the weak and make sure that she's well looked after Serve me for another seven years and, after the, and, and not after, but before that I'll give you Rachel. But you've got to serve me for 14 years basically to marry Rachel. The love of your life, the one you fell in love with at that well, you've got to serve me for seven years. You know, all Rachel and Jacob, if I put it in today's terms, all Rachel and Jacob wanted was a house with a picket fence, a few children running around and a dog. You know what they got? Just the dog. Just the dog. 
You think about it. Because Rachel, Rachel, she became bitter in her heart because Leah conceived, to lay, uh, Leah, Leah conceived and bore a child to Jacob. But Rachel's heart, her barrenness, caused her barrenness in her womb. And she, she despised her sister. And the whole story opens up and these labels start to happen. And eventually... Eventually her cries, eventually God does something to her heart and her cries are heard and she conceives and gives birth to a child. But I want to pick up from verse 16 of 35 because you see something happens here and it's a really tragic thing. It's a very sad story. Rachel began to give birth. She's conceived again and it says in verse 16 that Rachel, uh, that Jacob and Rachel journeyed from Bethlehem where they were still some distance from Bethel, uh, Bethel, thank you, Jamie, uh, went into labor and she had hard labor. Now, this is with her second child. She's conceived, she's grown this child in her womb. On the way, on the hot journey, she goes into labor and the Bible describes that she has hard labor. She says it twice, actually, the Bible. It continues and it says in verse 17 that she was having great difficulty. Okay, And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. Rachel bears a second son to her husband. And uh, do not fear. What a great support. What a great comfort. You're having this hard labor. You're at the end of your life. You birth a son and the... Midwife says, do not despair. Don't worry about the fact you're going to die. You've born a son. Okay? Now, think about that. The verse 18 is tragic. This is the tragic part. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, just in case we were going to miss it, it was there written in the Bible, for she was dying. She called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. As Rachel breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Oni. Think about this. As she took that last gasp of air, as she held her little son, she said, your name is Ben-Oni. Rachel named her son one thing, but the father named him something different. Rachel named her son Ben-Oni, but his father named him Benjamin. Names are so important. Ben-Oni, Ben is son, and Oni means sorrow. So what she basically named her son was son of my sorrow. Okay, Ben-Oni, that's what it means. You know, I was thinking about names and uh, through the week I was thinking, you know, I like sometimes looking up uh, funny names, you know, those weird names that people call their kids now. Um, and something sparked that in my life, but I won't tell you what that was. But I, so I thought I'd look up some, some kids' names, new names. I looked up the Bogan, common Bogan names for 2017 on Kidspot. You know, it's a great thing to look up. And uh, I might put a couple of these up there for you. Boys' names, have a bit of a laugh right now. Um, Boys' names, okay? You think about this. Kendrew. 
Kendrew. Yeah. Would you name your son Kendrew? No, I wouldn't think so. What about Jaron? You know, Jared and Darren walk into a bar. <laughs> Jaron, it's a good name. Um, solid. Um, this is Australian, by the way. Nicomachus, or however you want to say that. Nicolaj, something like that. Um, anyway, Nicomachus. Uh, there's a good one. William. William's a solid name, isn't it? But it's not the name, it's the spelling. You know, would you spell your son like helium? Um, anyway. And then uh, and Zyla. You know, that's a confused name if I've ever heard one. Zach and Tyler put together. That's, uh, that's going to be an interesting child because just of his name, Zyla. I wouldn't name, uh, sorry if you don't like this, but this is just me joking, okay? But I wouldn't name my son anything starting with a Z. Just for some reason, I think, no, it just wouldn't work for me. Z, Zyla, maybe Zachariah, but something like that, but no. Then what about girls? Girls are always fun, I reckon. These ones here, this is a good one. How would you say that? Uh, These guys have looked it up. (laughs) Yeah, that's right, it is actually. Why would you name your daughter after an alcoholic beverage? I don't know, but it's Elise. It hasn't got the little... Across the E, yeah. Anyway, next one there. What's this one? Dijon, like the mustard. Yeah. Woo! Someone had mustard before the birth. Okay. Um, this is like, um, you know, Nevaeh is heaven backwards. Yeah, Enevid is divine backwards. Like, it's a really, really, I hope that doesn't catch on, you know. Enevid, um, divine is backwards there. Fourthly, um, Phoebe. That's a good one, eh, Phoebe? Just, again, on the spelling thing. And then, uh, what's we got here? Harleen. Harleen. Okay. But uh, my all-time favorite, and, and I've got to fit it in there, is this one. Uh, don't give it away. Give the oldies a chance to catch up, all right. Well, how would you say that, guys, in the back who didn't hear that? I know you know. Anyone? Anyone want to have a attempt of saying that that doesn't know what it actually is? Who said la Would you call your kid la you're done wrong, hey, hey, Ron. Anyway, la ah. Okay, you can't do that, all right? But uh, you can actually say Ladasha. The dash is actually part of the spelling. Ladasha is um, it's an, a real name in America, by the way, but I think they rejected it somewhere along the line. Ladasha, the dash, you pronounce the dash. Makes sense? Ladasha. It's a good one, eh? So you're done good, hey, hey, Ron, today, because you got there. Anyway, back to Genesis 35, just a little ad break there for you to keep you on target. Verse 18 says, and we'll read it again. I'll put it back up there for you. Um, what? No, that's not it. I don't know what's happened there. I really don't. But I'll read it to you. As Rachel breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son what? She named her son Ben-Oni. Okay, but his father named him Benjamin. As she breathed her last, she named her son Ben-Oni. What does that stand for? Well, like I said, Ben is the meaning of son. Oni is the means the sorrow so she's named him son of my sorrow why would you name your son son of my sorrow well if you think about it think about it mums you can think about this you will never get the chance to nurse your son yeah what about never get the chance to see your son take his first steps you'll never get the chance to see your son go to um to school you'll never get the chance to see your son do anything so she says in her last dying breath i am sorrowful because i will never see him grow up I'll never see him grow up. So she names him one thing. But remember, Jacob named him something different. Rachel wasn't the only one grieving here. Who else was grieving? 
Mr. I worked 14 years for this and this is what I get. He was grieving as well. The love of his life with his second child, she passes away. He's like, this is my best friend. My wife dying in the middle of childbirth. He's hurting like crazy. But when his wife that he treasured wanted to name her son, the son of my sorrow, he said no. He said no, 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 no. What may be true in this moment won't be true forever. What may be true in this moment won't be true forever. I'll get through these names again because there's a bit of a laugh, but that's all right. What may be true in this moment won't be true forever. It won't be. The father took what was and in it he named it something different. If you don't like the label you've been given, name it something different. Let the Father in heaven name you something different. Take what the enemy has called you and turn it on the flip side and allow what God calls you to be something different. He takes son of my sorrow and calls him Benjamin. What does Benjamin mean? Son of my right hand. He took what the enemy meant for bad and he turned it into something which was good because the right hand in Hebrew teaching is son of the blessing. You see, he took his son and his son who was in a tragic moment, the birth of his son, he could have made bitter because his wife died. He said, no, 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 no. You are the son of blessing. You are the son of my right hand. Be that son. He took what the enemy meant for wrong and he used it for good. Who you are in the moment is not who you will be in the future. Jacob had some experience in renaming. In fact, if you know the story, one time here he was, he was wrestling with God. Jacob, a man, wrestled with an angel who was actually God. We would say it would be the, um, I don't know, the, the aspiration or the, the, the embodiment of Jesus in the Old Testament. He wrestles with God. He wrestles all night with God. He endures the night. And at the end of the night, he says, bless me, bless me. He walks out of this encounter and he no longer walks straight. He walks with a limp. But he says, God, I wrestle with you. Now you bless me. You bless me. You bless me. Bless me. So God looks at him and he says, your name was Jacob, which means deceiver. But now he says, I'm going to call you Israel, which means God prevails. God uses this instance to show that the nation with God by its side, the nation with God at the helm, the nation with God as king is going to be the, God, the nation who overcomes. God will overcome through this nation. He is the God who prevails. So Jacob, who is now Israel, no longer called deceiver, he looks around and says, we, uh, well, since we are renaming, I'm going to rename this place Peniel, which means the face of God. The place where he wrestles with God, he says, I'm going to name it now the face of God because I saw God, I saw his face and I did not die. You see? He took what could have been disastrous for him. Because the Bible says no one can see God lest he die. And he encounters God in this real way and he wrestles him. And he says, I'm going to turn this place into the place where I see God face to face. Jacob has a 
history of renaming things and he names his son Benjamin, son of my right hand, son of the blessing, son of my right hand, the symbol of blessing. What the enemy meant for harm, I'm going to find good. What others will call a curse, I'm going to call a blessing. What others would call sorrow, I'm going to call as a blessing from God. He chose to look at his son differently. He didn't despise the fact that his wife died while giving birth. He said, no, no, no. From now on, you're going to be the son of my right hand, Benjamin. Is there a label in you that you don't like? Remember, God's power is bigger than your past. You may want to write this down. This is so important. You don't get to choose what comes into your life, but you do get to choose what you call it. You don't get to choose what storm you go through, but you get to choose to calm it. You don't get to choose what it is that comes against you, but you get to choose that I'm going to stand in faith and I'm going to overcome whatever it is. I'm going to make true to my conviction. I'm going to stand strong on my word. No weapon formed against me is ever going to prosper. And when the enemy comes in and he says, you know, you should leave your wife because of this and this and this, and you know, you're not just going through all these things. You can say, no, no, no. What you mean for good, for bad, I'm going to turn into good. And I'm going to press in deeper to the covenant I have with her. And I'm going to press in deeper to the promises that I made to her. And I'm going to make sure that she's the most cherished person in my life. You get to choose what you call it. You get to choose. No one else can choose for you. Only you get to choose what you call it. And when you choose in faith, it becomes something powerful because you partner with the name of Jesus. You see, labels, they'll either tear you down or they will build you up. I will let nothing come between me and my wife. Nothing. Why? Because I get to choose what I call it. Not the enemy. I'll say it again. You don't get to choose what comes into your life. You do get to choose what you call it. It may look like the son of my sorrows, but I choose to call it son of the right hand. If there is a label that you've embraced and you don't like it, then name it something different. Don't say, woe is me. Don't get down in your sorrow. Don't let it have power and victory over your life. You and you alone have the ability to name it something different. And when you partner with the words that come from the Father Himself, when you partner with the intimacy that you have with Him, and that is what is so powerful about Michael's testimony, because you partner with who he says you are, you are victorious. When you partner with who he says you are and you begin to speak that over your life, the labels that would hold you back, they have no power over you. What Jesus says is powerful. You know, I ran from my calling for many, many years. Many, many years. I got this prophetic word when I was 10 years old. And you know what the prophetic word was? That I was a mighty man of valor. That's what the prophetic word was. Now, as a 10-year-old kid, I had no idea that that means that I was courageous in the face of battle. I had no idea. But you know how my nan took that? You're going to be a great pastor. You know what I did with that label? No. 
and I ran away. That's what I did with that label. I ran away and I ran at all the things that would destroy me so that I could not become a great pastor. You know? But God speaks truth. And when you partner with what God says about you, you start to step into it. And I remember as a 25-year-old young man, and I started this journey to become a pastor, I remember speaking to my mentor. He wasn't my mentor at the time. And I just said, you know, I've been running and running and running. And I'd been talking to him for two weeks, every couple of years. And I was just like, what do I got to do to be a pastor? What do I have to do to step into who I'm meant to be? And he told me some things. And... uh, and, and, I, and I stepped into it and it wasn't long after that that Pastor Rodney came to me and he said, Steve, we, want, we know there's a call on your life and we want to honour you in that and we want to honour the Lord God in that and we want to take you on a journey and see you become a minister. And I went, what did I just get myself into? But I embraced the fact that God called me a man of valour and no matter what came upon me, no matter what came against me, that I was courageous in the face of battle and I would step into it no matter what. You see, that's what labels will do and that's what the power of God will do. Labels will pull you down that I'm not going to ever be a pastor. That's what I labeled myself. But what God actually called me stepped me into my destiny. Very, very different. And I stopped running from that call. I stopped... Um, you know, as a junior pastor, as this trainee pastor, and, 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 and I hear sometimes this comes back, you, you kind of feel like you're not quite there yet and people don't quite listen to you yet. You kind of feel like things are a little bit of a tr- struggle and things are a little bit hard and, you know, you're just the comforting one anyway, so you're just going to make me feel good. By, so just make me feel good, pastor, and see you later. I won't think and do what I actually want you, what, what you tell me to do anyway because you're only learning and you don't know. It, these are the words that are going around in my head, by the way. They're not what actually was coming from anyone else. And as a junior pastor, I, I remember reading what Timothy uh, read as Paul wrote him that letter about not uh, despising his youth and, and not letting anyone look down on him because he's young. And I, and I took from that and I'm like, okay. And you know, even today, there are times when I can look at people and say, wow, they're a fantastic minister. Look how they share the gospel. Look how they share the ministry of the word. Look how they dig deep into the Old Testament and just pull out so much from this. And I'm thinking they're going, wow, 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 wow. And I forget, hang on. That's what God's saying about me. Wow, 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 wow. And that's what God's saying about you in this very moment. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, if you step into your calling, if you step into your destiny, he's saying wow right now because of the braveness and the boldness that's in your life. And you see, if you can embrace the wow, you'll forget the label tomorrow. Right? If you can embrace the wow, what God's saying over your life, you'll step into more and more of his abundance and you'll go through it. So as you embrace who God calls you, this story is supposed to encourage you. It's supposed to say, this is who I am. This is who God calls me to be and I'm not going to look back anymore at who I think I am, overcoming that pride. You get the power to call it something else. You and you alone. It's not a liability, it's an asset. It's a title I'm going to grow into. Okay? Your leader is a title I'm going to grow into. And with your help, I'm going to be the best leader I can be in God's grace. And you're going to be the best whoever God's called you to be. What may be true about me right now that I talk too long. Might not be true about me later. 
I might hit it on the head and move on. You know what I'm saying? If you don't like what it's been called, name it something different. If you are insecure, then you are confident in Christ on the other hand. If you have insecurities right now in your life, there are things that are gripping you and causing you to come down. Your security is found in Christ and Christ alone. You may be lazy. Let you b- yourself be motivated by your calling. You may be miserable. Find the joy of the Lord because it is your strength. You're not undependable. You're not a cheater. You're not a loser. You're not a failure. You are forgiven. You are transformed. You are made new. You are an entirely new creation. Step into it. The old is gone. The new is here. You are healed. You are loved. You are an overcomer. You are destined for breakthrough because of the blood of the Lamb who broke through for you. In Christ and in Him alone. You might be going through a tough season. It's in those seasons that you become conformed to the image of Christ. You might be feeling alone right now. But it's in... It's in you feeling alone that you say, I'm not going to embrace the aloneness. I'm going to draw near to God because when I draw near to God, the promise is He draws near to me. You might think that you're a failure, but in your failure, in your attempt to step out in faith, in your attempt to risk everything for God, in your attempt to be a faithful servant and a faithful son, you will learn so much whether you think in yourself you failed or you didn't. Like I said last week, God will never, ever, ever call you a failure. Our enemy is a liar and he is the father of lies. What he wants to do is tell you over and over and over and over and over again that you are not, that you're not good enough, that you're pathetic, that you're never going to amount to anything, that you can't make a difference after what you did if they really knew you and so on and so on and so on. But those are the ghosts of Christmas past. But we serve a saviour of the Christmas new. Each day is a new day dawned in Jesus Christ. We serve the ghost of the Christmas new. He's the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Ghost which empowers you to say, today I can. Today I'm an overcomer. Today I'm able to. He died so you could be forgiven. The man who had never sinned, God who became flesh, he died so that you would be forgiven. He who loved us first showed us what this love was about. The power and the label of sin can no longer hold you. I'm going to invite our ushers to serve us with our emblems this morning. And I'm going to do so thinking that we in this place have to draw a line in the sand that we are no longer going to embrace the labels of the old, but we're going to step into the power of the new. Either Jesus died for you or he didn't. Either he loves you or he doesn't. Either you fear him or you don't. What is it? Because if you fear Jesus the way I'm talking about fearing Jesus, 
there would be no way you would ever look back at the past. Because the fear of God is caused for us to look to the eyes of Jesus and never away from Him. You think the fear of Jesus is, is me being intimidated and scared and I don't measure up to His glory. No, the fear of Jesus is actually to turn us to Him so that we run toward Him and never away from Him. The fear of God is that without Him, I'm a dirty, wretched, broken sinner. But with Him and the fear of God in me, the, with Him, I am a saint. I am a servant of the Most High God. I am His Son. And when you think about it, I'd rather that label over my life than the first. And Jesus died a death. He spilt his blood so that you can have this as well. Either you're for Jesus or you're against him. As you take your emblems today. I want you to reflect. I believe it's time. You're thinking even now, the labels that your parents spoke over you, your teachers spoke over you, your, your brothers, your sisters, a significant adult in your life spoke over you. Maybe you think you're dirty. Maybe you think you'll never amount to much. Maybe you think you're broken and you'll always be broken. Jesus became broken for you. Maybe you're insecure. Maybe you're riddled with anxiety because you've embraced something in your life. Right here, right now, what you hold in your hand is the peace of God that overcomes. It surpasses all understanding. Right here, right now is Jesus and you get to encounter Him in a real and personal way today. Right here, right now is your opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I just want to invite everyone to bow their heads right now. See, this Jesus I speak of, He changed my life. He radically changed my life. He changed me in such a way that I would drive five, four hours to go and see a friend who's in desperate need. He changed me in such a way that I would fly all the way to Queensland for a friend who is in need. He changed my life so much that I would lay my life down for Him no matter what He says. And He can change your life so much too if you would only let go of the past that holds you back. You see, when He died, when He shed His blood upon, the sin, upon that cross, that blood, it washed away the power of sin and brokenness in your life. And by faith, if you call upon Him, you will be saved. By faith and faith alone that He is not only your Savior, but that you could call Him Lord. That is, that you would let go of the past and embrace the fact that He is the King of your life. That you would take up His mantle for your life, your, His will for your life. If you would do that right here, right now, let's just stand to our feet. I don't even care if you've done this a hundred times. Would you stand to your feet today and say, Jesus, I want all of you. I only want all of you. I want nothing but you. To abide in you, to live with you, to embrace the fullness of what you speak over my life. But I acknowledge today that you alone are the way and the truth and the life.
I acknowledge today that you and you alone are the Lord who saves. Save me today. Save me today. Save me today. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my King. If you would ask, you'd do the bold thing and just say, Jesus, I ask for your Holy Spirit. Your Spirit of peace who would lead me and guide me so that I can be a participant and not an observer. I want to participate in the greatest journey that you have ever, ever penned. Jesus, give me your spirit. I humble myself to you now. Let us take and eat in thanksgiving and remembering our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, this day. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. For where I was broken, you have now said I am whole. Thank you, Jesus, that you would cleanse me with your blood, wash me brand new. I am now a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I step into the new. And I look forward to this day and the next day and the next day with you. Lead me, guide me. In Jesus' name we pray. Let us drink and be grateful this morning of the goodness of our Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's the end of our series, The Ghosts of Christmas Past. I would pray that you would take what we've been teaching and apply it. Take it to the Lord and then just embrace what He's saying and, uh, and allow Him to overcome the pains in your life. Thank you, Pastor Jamie.